I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to The Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's show is part two of our interview with Eddie O'Donnell, and he gives us his top tips to achieving 10 grazings per paddock per year. The overall farm stock rate will last for us around 2.6 and it's up at 2.8 this year. So I suppose you have to have the pH. So we would have spread 700 tonne of lime after the last set of soil samples between the winter of um, uh, 16 and all through summer 17. And uh, we'll resize sample now in uh, autumn of 2018 and, and, and reassess the, the lime again. Soil P, uh, there would have been pigs in the farm back in the 90s. Uh, uh, my uncle would have had them uh, beside us here at home. And uh, we would have been using some of that pig slurry on the home farm at the time. So that would have been helping the, the P and uh, K to keep it right at that stage. But any land we would have taken on since, I suppose, would have, would have been down a bit. So we would have had to work on it. And it would have been 18612 in, in, in March time. Instead of the second round of urea, it would have been two bags of 18612. And there might have been another bag mid-season and maybe a couple more bags in the back end of the year. We find it's a very good circle as regards it's uh, balanced pretty well for grazing but obviously if you're cutting silage or whatever it would be in your row 730s or whatever so I suppose it's back to just doing the, the basics like Dow would have always said like when they were um, when he was farming like this uh, or, um, before I came back around at home like they were always told like if you're silage ground you needed two or three bags of 730 and uh, it would have been always kind of hitting the plan uh, what people were advising um, from Chagas or whatever so um I suppose just trying to stick to the basics uh, and obviously moving the slurry around the farm. We feel it's very underutilised on a lot of farms and like every paddock gets tries to get slurry here in the springtime before or after grazing and uh, nearly every paddock gets a few thousand gallons of soil water during the year as well um, and we feel that's very beneficial to the whole thing to, especially if a paddock's take for bales like it needs a lot of K back onto us to, to keep the K index up on it like you know. You mentioned the K and the the K offtake is huge and it's something that Stan Lawler would have really emphasised at your farm, and and based on that you've also mentioned about the the colour coded maps, um you know and you're you know you're avoiding um your low K paddocks for si- for silage but what else are you doing to manage those? Yeah, so we're avoiding the low K paddocks by having them colour coded in the power you can see them. So we're avoiding taking them for bales at any stage at all possible. So we, if that means we have to skip out of a paddock and go back into that for 12 or 13 days uh, to graze it, uh, if it's getting too strong or whatever, just we just do that. And we try and get as much soil water uh, out of the collection yards back onto them paddocks throughout the year. And we can actually see, like, since November 16th, they were sampled. And I know when they're sampled in November of this year, they're definitely going to be higher in K because we, we know about the grass they're producing more in the shoulders and I suppose that's uh, in last year and this spring again so that's a typical sign that the, the K and P and K might be right in the paddock and it starts to perform without receiving or doing anything with it so um, we're focusing on that and I suppose uh, I suppose just good grazing management like we're, we're trying to utilise every blade of grass that grows within reason obviously um, you're only going to get 80-85% utilisation anyway so I think we're to the home farm was a 14.5 ton we utilise and 17 off it so uh as you said, when you're taking off large quantities of grass, there's going to be a large offtake of K. So it's up to us in to, to manage that. We would have spread, there's no limit on K, so we would have spread probably, I suppose, maybe 80 to 100 units of Muris um, 0050 fertilizer at the back end of last year across the whole farm. And we will continue to do that. Um, 
to focus on keeping the K levels right. Um, I remember being in New Zealand once, and they said to us, even just uh, topical at the moment, that K was a cheap irrigator for them. So if they felt if the K levels were high in the soil, that it would take them longer. They wouldn't suffer as much in a, a drought as a farm that would have lower K because they have a better root structure under the for the plants. Like you know, just to pick up then in terms of soil fertility, you're soil testing every two years, Eddie. And would this have been how regularly you would have done it in the past or how did that differ? Yeah, so we would have probably size sampled in 2011 and size sampled again in 2014 and in 2016 and it'll be done again this year now. So probably it would be, this would be the fourth time now in seven years the farm will, uh, or the, yeah, seven years the farm will have been size sampled. So we feel it's, uh, for the money you're spending on fertilizer every year, uh, just say four four hundred fifty euros a hectare, and it costs you maybe uh, three euros a hectare for a size sample sample once. If you're saying you're spending fifteen euros on a size sample and you're putting four or five hectares into it, like it's very small money what the size sample costs versus the return or what you're going to spend annually on uh, on fertilizer per hectare. So we feel there's a massive benefit in in knowing exactly. And we're actually gone to the stage now. Uh, we're not going on the just on the nutrient management plan for the irrigation river and the five hectares or so on. We're actually going to the paddock, so at home, to generally four hectare paddock, so at the paddock is side samples, and out farm, it's two hectare paddocks up there, so it's two. Uh, it's only a two hectare side samples, so you're getting more accurate results per paddock, and it helps you target in your fertilizer in a better way, like, you know. Um, so we feel it's it's a no-brainer. Uh, people to, uh, maybe say, it, and if you get the whole job done, maybe 25 euros side samples, but, like, it's really small money if you work it back on what you're actually spending every year on fertilizer anyway, like, you know. And if we consider then reseeding, um, a really interesting aspect of of your farm is that the difference between your top growing paddock and your bottom growing paddock, you know, they're very, very similar. You know, the difference might be one or two ton. Like this varies hugely typically on farms where there could be a difference, say, of six or eight ton um, across paddocks. What do you put that down to, Eddie? Yeah, so I suppose the, the, we put it down, I suppose a lot of farm would have been receded since 08 or 09. Um, we'd have received the, home, the majority of the home place pair. Some of it actually hasn't, some of the home place, this, uh, just probably uh, towards the home farm, original home farm, hasn't been touched since I came back home. Some of it is actually there since 1993 and 1989, and the grass are still producing 18, 20 tons on them. It's just as the grass was within the time was okay and has been managed properly since, so they haven't been touched. And in the varieties we would have put in, we would have a good few monocultures on the farm through the monoculture trial, and we would have had the, one of the farms that uh, that's came out onto the farm that we have leased would be uh, would have been set down to Aston Energy Trail a 50-50 mix, and we have found they they work well together. Some people don't like Trail, it mightn't be as palatable, but Aston Energy is very palatable, so I suppose it it works. They they work well as a, as a duo, and you get your spring and autumn growth out, out of it as well. So. Uh, we would have been targeting, I suppose, at least 15 or 20% a year when we, as numbers were growing, our land was coming on, we were we were really vigorous and receding. The past 12 months now, last year we would have only received maybe 6 or 7%. This year, so far, we've only received uh, 2% and we don't plan to any more receding for the, the rest of the year. Um, because even the out farms at this stage uh, would have been, that would have been taken on would be uh, fully receded. So we feel that um, if you look after, it's about now, Looking at that wedge that you're talking about uh, in these regards uh, annually and seeing what paddocks have dropped off or are dropping off or maybe looking at the persistency of the grass in them and taking them out from there uh, to see can you improve them uh, to try and grow more grass on the farm. Like, you know. And have you a preference, say, for spring or autumn receding? What's most appropriate? Yeah, spring uh, would be our preference. You go in there early April after a first round of grazing or even grazing a second time, spray it off and you could be back in in six or seven weeks uh, uh, depending on... Uh, 
and uh, to go with your guess. But if, if it's set there by the middle to end of April, you could be back in there by the first of um, the first of uh, the middle of June anyway. The first of July today. So like, there's a quick turnaround, and we feel if you left the farm or the paddock in old grass for the whole year, we reckon you'd grow as much from when you get it back in grass to the end of the year as you would have if you left it for the whole year and you still have had, would have had one or not two grazes taken off in the springtime as well so we feel that uh, we're seeding pays for itself in 18 months to two years maximum like you know You mentioned um, you're part of a monoculture trial have you preference for monocultures or do you like a mix of say two or three different grasses? Yeah, so on the home farm or on the milking blocks and the out farm as well, we would be preference now is probably stick with a monoculture. We're happy enough with them. Uh, probably a tetraploid, especially on the home farm and the out farm, uh, wouldn't mind as much as a bit heavier. And um, we feel that the, the cows really love the tetraploids and uh, uh, the farm is pretty dry at home. It doesn't. We don't need um, a ter- terrible dense uh, of a swart anyway. And we uh, we feel that they're grazed properly anyway. They'll thicken up over time anyway. And on out farms in where you might be taking one cut of silage where we are three way mix all the way on them farms. We don't have any mining cultures on uh, on them farms. Um, so we would be using the working off PPI index uh, for picking the grass seeds and um, the, that's, that's, that's how we would have done it in the past and we'd be happy enough to continue doing it that way like you know and then moving on to infrastructure like I mean you're getting cows out to grass from the 1st of February day and night and you know that requires a certain level of infrastructure and flexibility in the system um, what sort of infrastructure are you putting in place for uh, the shoulders of the year? Yeah, so we the majority of the farm now would be four to five metre roadways through the majority of the farm, and then we would have spur roadways off, and uh, like uh, to get and water to be two, three hundred, three hundred gallon tanks, uh, the cows would have access uh, in every paddock, and there's inch and a half piping uh, plumbed out with a reservoir tank in the air, pumping the water out from that at a very high pressure, so you could fill a tank in five or six minutes out in the, at the far end of the farm. So water is not an issue on the farm as it's been upgraded. Roadways are, we feel it's a constant cost on, on farm. And at the farm is, I suppose anyone that was there today, they'd see there's, there's long walks for the cows a lot of the time. It's probably averaging eight or 900 metres um, per milking, I say, for the year. So the roadways have to be kept in uh, really good order for the um, cows to prevent, to try and prevent lameness. So, um, we're topping them up uh, nearly annually at this stage, if not every 18 months. So we're uh, resurfacing on top of them and we feel it's an ongoing cost that farmers should just put into their budget as a, as a, as a, as a fixed cost now on the farm rather than a variable cost. Um, we wouldn't have any uh, harm and maybe it could be seven or eight reels going in the month of February there because you might go to a paddock tonight and you might need to go back near that for three days and you might have to go off to a different angle of the farm altogether. So I suppose I've plenty of reels and stakes on the farm and uh, don't be afraid to use them. And it does take time to set up Sacrifice maybe uh, uh, roadways to get into the back of a paddock or whatever, and um, but over time I suppose you know where you need them at most. And if you only put in a meter of a, a narrow strip of road, uh, maybe for two hundred meters in the paddock to get you into the middle of it, it could be really, uh, really good investment. And uh, I, I have friends on even heavier ground than us now, and they would have gone and just done that over the last couple of years and put them in where they knew they were using them every year. And it's just a fixed, it's just a fixed item there now, and it doesn't, it doesn't work with it. So it's about just knowing your farm, I suppose, and getting to know it and and, and working around that, like you know. Uh, that's what we've been doing over the last few years and it's a constant it's a constant uh, thing it's not something that just you, you say you're that done now and it's finished with forever like you know yeah and I suppose with the weather too in the spring that's tough on the roadways so you know they need yeah. the constant bit of work 
and yeah, yeah. and just something else that you mentioned was that your paddock size is typically four hectares now. Um, yep. Is that is that based on uh, 24, 36 hour grazing per paddock or what yeah, is that I based on? At, at the moment, like uh, it's probably uh, between 24 and 36 and often we are moving because the herd size is moving a bit. So probably long term, it's probably more like a six hectare paddock that you're getting 36 hours in uh, realistically uh, for a five, six hectare paddock. So it, I suppose all we would have done in the past, it would have been originally one hectare paddocks on the original farm. We would have just taken up to wire and made them two hectare paddocks and then we would have taken up to wire again and made them four hectare paddocks. So um, I suppose it's, it's it's constantly judging what you are, are, uh, are changing around. But I feel better performance is probably achieved on a three milking paddock, a 36 hour paddock, that the cows are, are have a good feel for two and they're working in for the third one to get it down to the three and a half, four centimetres. And uh, I feel there's better performance milk wise, uh, um, better protein and better yield uh, if you can work that system. Uh, with some paddocks it would be 48 hours as well, but we wouldn't go any longer than 48 hours because we feel you're eating regrowth after that and you compromise the next uh, round. Like, Last year, you had 50 grass walks recorded on Pasture Base Ireland. Um, how has that evolved? You know, how important is it for you to, to walk the farm that many times? Yeah, so I suppose last year was a great grass year, as everyone knows. It was like a, it was a, a pet year for all the world. It was an easy spring, an easy, well, the autumn obviously was difficult on most farms, but uh, up until maybe September, it was an easy enough year to manage the farm. So we would have been growing a lot of grass May, June, July last year. And so we were pretty average 45 plus walks for the last four or five years across both farms. Because um, we're walking on Tuesday and Friday from maybe the the end of April right through until the middle of August and one of us uh, in the home farm myself or uh, Philip uh, who's working with us here in the home farm would have walked on one day and the other person would walk the other day so um uh, so you're getting a good contrast as well um, uh, it's keeping you focused as well as regards uh, the measurement like you know uh, if one is out a bit today the next person will pull it up to the next day so um we feel it's a massive benefit and uh, if you work up back to the monetary figures again like if you go into a paddock that the cows shouldn't be in um, that's gone too strong but the next two or three paddocks are all going to go too strong because you should have skipped them that two days and gone to the next one and them two or three days is what is making the 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 milk stay in the tank if, if for for all the world like you know to keep it to keep it right because if you go into a paddock that's too strong the milk will drop and it'll take a few days to recover and stuff so uh, we feel the benefit is there to to walk the farm uh, the twice a day for twice a week for the the main growing season and we start walking there between twenty of January and we would finish up there the first of December with a closing cover so for December and January I suppose there's no walks on so the fifty walks in are divided over the other about 42 or 44 weeks, whatever it is, like, you know. And I guess a lot of uh, people would be in the same situation as you, that they do a, a grass walk in late January. Um, and that would kind of establish then what farm cover is there for the springtime. Um, a lot of people then would get very busy in February, March, and they'd say do very little on the farm. They'd monitor their percentage graze, but they wouldn't necessarily monitor their farm cover. Do you, do you see, say, the this? spring rotation plan period and and the 60 40 autumn plan period as important times for measurement on farms um yeah i I feel it's uh very important to stay a walk in the farm because you're getting to see what's coming back as well i suppose you're always looking like so we do we we suppose your your year grass year starts in the next fall really like you know and uh, uh so the first week is second week of august and you're doing a we would do an autumn grass planned in right through until the first of May next year when we do the budget and you'd know how many cows are calving or what when you're calving and all that that's it and you fill all that into your grass budget so we we want 950 of a thousand of a cover the first week of February so we close at around 700 so we would actually have 70% of the home farm graze in November 
October and we'd only have 30% to graze in in November. So generally the cows actually go in by night, early November here and we graze that 30% right up until the end of November because they're doing long walks and we feel that um, they're not melting any condition off themselves and the teeth are nameless and stuff. So springtime, I feel it's very important to stay walking the farm regardless of just using the spring rotation planner because I feel you could miss a, you, on a, on a good year you could really miss uh, out because you could actually finish maybe the 23rd or 4th of March. Now, I know the, uh, last year and the year before might have been that way, but uh, there was a couple of years there and um, 2015 or 2014, even as an example, that you could actually finish the sec- or first round of 24th or 5th of March if you were stocked at a cow's acre, for example, or a, a two and a half cows a hectare. And you could be, you could have your third round starting again the 20th of April when some, some lads are only starting their second round. So there's a full rotation that you could gain there and you could have saved feed. So whereas then this year, if you were by doing your grass covers weekly, we knew the first week of March there wasn't going to be enough back in the first paddock on the 1st of April uh, when we normally plan to start the second round. So we knew we had to slow it down then. So we would have had 40% grades in February, decided then we had to slow it down to go only go down to 55, 60% by the middle of March instead of the 70, 75 we normally be targeting. And then assess it again uh, 10 days later. And I suppose when you have information, you can make decisions better. So I feel it's vital to walk. I know February is a very busy time on, on every farm. Um, but I suppose if you can't do it yourself, or maybe there's facilities or services out there now that will come in and do it for you. So maybe look at, along the lines of that if you can't get around yourself. But there is a big benefit of getting out and looking at your farm uh, weekly in the month of February or March as well. So it means pay someone to do it for you or pay someone to replace you in the yard for that couple of hours. Uh, it's definitely worthwhile not just to stick to the spring rotation planner because I, I feel that's just lazy grass management to a certain degree that you could miss out or you could it could cost you a lot of money uh, uh, long term as well. So I feel there's a big benefit of uh, measuring there the seven or eight times in February and March as well. Like, you know. I, th- I would say too that you're potentially missing out on capturing the total Total grass production in the year, yes. not yes. measuring in in the spring and the autumn time. Like, yeah. I, like I know you mentioned that twenty seventeen was like a really really good year for grass, and uh, you know I think you called it a pet of a year. But like you grew in excess of eighteen tons. Um, you know where do you go from here? Is there potential and scope to grow more grass on the farm? Do you think? Well, we I'd say we definitely won't grow eighteen tons this year. <laughs> so it'll be getting back up from uh, the dry weather or whatever. This year, getting back up to make sure we grow it again next year. I suppose maybe we have to look at clover on the farm, and uh, I suppose stay looking at the bottom paddocks and maybe uh, thinking about taking them out or, or, uh, to receive them and see if there are better grass varieties coming through that'll push the growth further. And um, I suppose I I feel if you could get uh, the rotations are a big thing. Once you keep around ten eleven rotations of the farm, you'll grow grass because the grass is always green at the base in, and it'll grow a lot quicker green than the way it's coming from a yellow base it's like cutting silage um, um, and we would even target and doing probably more uh, lower quantity cuts on the out farms even now than, than taking these big heavy cuts that it's slowing down the recovery as well so I suppose we would, our whole system would have changed uh, that way thinking you have better quality silage uh, and just try and talk to your, I suppose, your contractor or whatever and do deals on per acre or whatever it is or per load or whatever it needs to be but like um we feel that if you can keep the base greenish enough, uh, you'll you'll grow a lot more uh, feed throughout the year, like you know. And and the f- the final question for you, Eddie. Um, I've picked out three grazing targets. Um, that I've identified from your grass walk in a- yeah. April. So, firstly, you you close quite high. So the target yeah. that Chagas would put out is maybe five fifty or six hundred kilos of an average farm cover. You're closing yeah. at seven hundred. Can yeah. you explain I- that? 
Yeah, I suppose the target target would put out would be maybe a stock price of two point four, two point five cows a hectare. So um, we'd be ter- we'd be uh, say three cows a hectare. So if you work on back, there's not much of a difference per, per uh, cover per cow. So um, we want to uh, we know we'll only grow kind of four to five on average over the winter on a normal year. Obviously, if you've got a, bit, a lot of frost. Uh, you generally want to be closing higher, but you don't know what's, where it's going to happen or not. So we generally try and close around 700. And so we we, we know we have to open around 950 or 1,000. Or you're talking an extra two or three kilos right through the February-March period of dry matter that's to go in. And if you put that across the farm, like if you put three kilos across the farm today, 300 cow herd, that's a ton a day. So that, that could be, if, if just say, 40 ton on average over the... So like that's seven or 8,000 euros. It's cost you straight away before you start the spring. So by not having the... Right, open cover. So that's just uh, sacrosanct here now. You have to close that cover on uh, on both farms uh, for the to have enough grass for the, the spring, like, and hopefully grow some bit over the winter, like, you know. Yeah, and I suppose, like, you know, it 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 makes a lot of sense. The higher stocking rate would would need a higher average farm cover, and financially, it's worth a lot more to you in this in the springtime to have that grass on the farm, and then to to move on then to the spring. Um, Again, the target is to graze thirty percent in the month of February, so roughly one percent a day. So you're going beyond that, and you're grazing about forty percent in February. Yeah, there's actually, yeah, actually been years here we've been up to fifty percent on the home farm because we, we we all the cows were calved in the home farm, so we we moved cows off in towards the end of February. So we would have been dropping stock when stock rates were lower. But I suppose obviously the stock rates are up now across both farms, so we go forty percent here and thirty three or four percent on the out farm and start making up there earlier. So um. We feel that uh, it's grass, and we would hit the most of the lower covers actually would be grazed in February. So the six, seven hundreds, eight hundreds, and they wouldn't have got slurry with the uh, trail and shoe in um, January. Um, they, they just the ones that get slurry really are the ones that are closed in November. The thirty percent they get slurry in in mid January with trail and shoe, uh, with umbilical trail and shoe, and the rest in the next say 30 40 percent of the lower covers are the ones that are grazed in february because the cows have a low appetite and they can go into 800 and you train them into grazing pretty well and like we do target three and a half centimeters for the first rotation uh obviously if it's two they get 12 hours in a section and and we don't lose the strip wires and wires for the first round unless it's a complete unrealistic spring um so we you know you're going to it's going to be wet uh, a good bit of time if they don't do clean job in that 12 hours so be it you leave it around the second round but in general we try and hit the so it's about allocating the grass properly and and working out what they what they need and actually stepping it out for the first few weeks of February actually stepping out uh or on your using it up in your phone or whatever um the square meters or whatever it is and um we feel by having that graze, we have more grass growing in for the first week of April, and it sets it up for the for the second rotation and subsequent rotations after that. Like you know, and I guess that forty percent is is pushing me onto the next question in terms of rotation length and even short rotation length, which lends itself to ye achieving your ten grazings per paddock and with an addition of maybe a silage cut. Um, at a sixteen to eighteen day rotation, would you be happy that you're not Say impacting on grass growth there, Eddie. Yeah, that's what it is a bit of talk about the tree leaf stage of the plant, and you're maybe near to 19, 20 days. But I suppose we feel that we're getting into 14, 1500 pre uh at the 16 to 18 days there from that's probably happens there from the kind of the, the normal year, the 25th or 6th of April, right through until the middle of August. So, um, that's the target and, and like we uh we aim for that target, that's what he's given us rotations uh on the farm. 
we would have had six rotations completed there before the weather got really dry there than um the I suppose the uh, there two or three weeks ago. So obviously this rotation has gotten a lot longer because uh, you're trying to hold whatever bit of grass you have. Um so the ten grazes this year will be a bit of a challenge out there uh, on the farm by the way the weather is at the moment. Like it's probably after turning one rotation into or two rotations that you would have at the moment into one rotation to try and keep uh, some bit of grass in the cow's diet. Um so no we feel that I suppose you have to be that's backed into measuring twice a week. Like you have to be on top of making decisions because it a lot can change when you're like if you're in a sixteen or fifteen day rotation and you make a mistake, like you could be um uh it's not for the faint heart, let's put it that way. Like so that that's where I suppose the experience of measuring over a few years you can make decisions like that. So it's probably the safer bit would be maybe six or nineteen, twenty days and and get comfortable about what you're doing and making decisions and uh, obviously your the whole farm has to be in good grass production as regards you know every, there's no paddocks going to let you down like you know if you're going around that quick they have to be going to 885 a day to to get your pre-grazing right so you, 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 all paddocks have to be at the same kind of standards and soil fertility and receding and stuff so there wouldn't be much point trying to do that if you were at a half farm receded and half farm wasn't receded you, you get cut out quite a bit like so uh, that's back to knowing what your farmer is capable of so it, it takes time to do that but we feel that's what's given us a lot of extra grass growth since we would have pushed from the 20 days back in 2013, 14 up back down to 18, 16 days and we feel we're getting extra grass growth because of it like you know. I suppose just to re-emphasize very much your 16 to 18 day rotation is dictated by your pre-grazing cover of your 14, yeah. 1500. Exactly and and like we feel like 11, 1200 isn't much good for a cow when we start with grass measuring first the stock rate is only 2, 2.2 across the milking blocks and we were trying to go in at 1100 and you know you're kind of allocating your demand was 50 or 55 and you're 20 day rounds and you're at 1,100 but the cows just couldn't feed themselves uh, or fill themselves or just doing too much work to fill themselves so it's easier uh, a cow will perform better at 14, 1,500 of pre-grazing so and the farm will grow more grass in as well because you're getting nearer to that tree leaf so um, we feel that's, that's kind of the happy medium as for where it's at like but as I said like uh, it's it's all worked back from your 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 demand figure and working out main days and stuff like that and, and taking your pre-grazing that's like you know that's great. Thanks, Eddie. No matter at all. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Eddie O'Donnell for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and join me next time for your Dairy Edge. <laughs>